Are you a parent or do you know one who is great at providing stability and routine for your family, but also sometimes struggles with being flexible to change and finding time to rest? Then you might resonate with today's topic. Today we're talking about the cognitive function in Myers-Briggs called introverted sensing, which I call preservation sensing, and how it shows up in parents. Hi, I'm Sandra. And I'm Em. And this is Family Personalities, the podcast that helps you create a more peaceful and compassionate family dynamic using personality type. Well, I'm excited to get into this one. We both have a lot of preservation sensitive users in our life. You have Sean, your husband, and who is ISTJ preferences, and Junie, your daughter, who has ISFJ preferences. And then I have my dad, who has ISTJ preferences. And then I have a couple of really close friends who have ISFJ preferences. We're surrounded. <laughs> So today we are talking about how the cognitive function of introverted sensing in Myers-Briggs, which I have nicknamed preservation sensing, shows up in parents. And this is the dominant or driver function for ISTJs and ISFJs. And it's the auxiliary or the co-pilot function for ESTJs and ESFJs. And if you don't know what a cognitive function is, check out episode 39, where we give our intro to cognitive functions. You can also check out my cognitive functions cheat sheet at familypersonalities.com slash functions. And today we're going to be really talking about what this function looks like when it's in the front seat of your car. So if it's your first or your second function, which is all four of the, all four of those types that I mentioned, and if it's in the back seat of your car, your third or fourth function, then you'll just have to stay tuned, which actually this is for you. This is your 10-year-old function. Oh. Hmm. So your third function as an INFP. So you'll have to tell me if you feel like you have access to this one at all. Yeah, I was like thinking in my head. Yeah, we'll see. You tend to have a little more stretch to your third function than you do to your fourth. So to your 10-year-old than you do to your three-year-old. Yeah, we know what happens when I get to my (laughs) three-year-old. It's not good. (laughs) All right. um, This is actually the most common function to appear in the front seat of someone's car. So not necessarily the most common to drive with, but the most common to appear in the front seat of the car. And those four types that I mentioned, ISTJ, ISFJ, ESTJ, ESFJs, basically are all of our SJs, make up 40% of the population, according to the MBTI global sample. So chances are this should really resonate with a lot of people. Yes. And if you, if, it, if you don't, yeah, if you, you don't have it in your car, then you know someone who does, like for sure, uh, 40% of the population. And for comparison, so this is so for introverted sensing or preservation sensing, 40% of the population uses it. And then we talked about last time we talked about responsive sensing, that's about 28% of the population has that in the front seat. And then when we talked about imaginative intuition, that's 23% of the population. And then when we talked about insightful intuition, which is all of our NJs, that was only 9% of the population uses that and, function. So, And by population, do we mean like North America or is it global? Global. Global, okay. Yeah. So a lot of our society is built by people who use this function. And a lot of us are in jobs where this is a very prevalent function or we were in schools that were run in a preservation sensing manner. So I think that's, it's really important one to understand uh, both the value and the limits of it. And of course, you can find all the basics of Myers-Briggs at familypersonalities.com slash basics. Okay, you ready to dive in? Yes. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. (laughs) So 
It's, uh, so this function is an introverted function, which means it deals with your inner world. And it's a perceiving function. This is our last perceiving function. The first four that we've covered are all perceiving function. And that just means it deals with how we take in information from the world. So people who use this function, who use preservation sensing, they take in information by attuning to the past, valuing practical experience, and preserving existing standards. And now remember, we the last function we talked about was the opposite type of sensing. It was extroverted sensing or responsive sensing. And that one we said they attuned to the present. Remember, taking in with your taking in information with your five senses. And so this one instead, we're attuning to the past, valuing practical experience and preserving existing standards. And so when you say past, are we talking like nostalgia or recent past too, or just anything that you can derive knowledge from? Anything you can derive knowledge from. But yeah, I'm going to say there's a lot of nostalgia there as far, eh, I don't know. Nostalgia kind of implies that you, like, you miss the past and you want to go back to it. I don't know if it's so much that as like you want to repeat the past and bring it forward into the present. Got so it. like preserving traditions, you know, doing things in repeatable ways. So there's kind of four facets to this function that I wanted to talk about. And the first one is that people who use this function are routine-oriented to create stability. So they find that repeating ways of doing things is the best way to learn, improve, and to find stability in their life. And they value comfort and familiarity. Yeah, that's that's my husband. <laughs> and my he literally does the same thing every day without fail. Like what? Give me an example. So he wakes up at 5 a.m. every morning, doesn't sleep in ever. <laughs> Even like, on the weekends? Um, he'll sit, no, on the weekends he'll do 6.30. So yeah, 5 okay. is only Monday through Friday. And 6.30 to me is like not sleeping in, like 8.30 <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what time in. I wake up on weekdays is 6.30. Nah. Yeah, so he'll have his cup of coffee or he'll go check the garden and then he's at his desk by like 6.15. And then every day he makes his lunch at the same time and starts dinner at the same time. We usually like watch the simpsons and go to bed like watch the simpsons like, oh yeah it's like our it's like our family show oh that's so funny yeah. i uh th that was my childhood my dad who has the same preference as sean istj leads with this function was just very routine oriented he still is you know he's in his what is he in now late 60s i guess and it's you know dinner on the table at the same time every night and yeah every morning the routine was the same and he would I, I don't remember as much when I was younger but I remember when I was older and I used to have to get up early to go to zero period at in high school um, and he would get up every morning and while I was in the shower and make me my sandwich and leave it on the counter for me and then go back into his office to work and I would just come out and see the sandwich ready for me on the counter and I would that's build so the rest sweet. of my lunch around it it's just very reliable very consistent yeah that's that's definitely how I would describe Sean as reliable and consistent. And I really admire it. I wish I was more like it. Yeah. I feel like life would be easier in some ways. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's ways that it would be harder too, but <laughs> we'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I was, you know, kind of looking through some of my favorite resource books for this and in, in Dario Nardi's The Magic Diamond, because a lot of times we think of this function as not not liking change, right? They keep things consistent because they want to keep things stable and change is kind of a threat to that. And Dario says in the Magic Diamond for this type, change is okay as long as it's managed, matches an existing foundation, and is headed in a predictable direction. That feels true. 
Yeah. So like having a template for change is kind mm-hmm. of like what yeah. I imagine them feeling comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I use like when we purchased this house a couple years ago, like, you know, after my accident, I like literally just couldn't be in our house anymore. I just was like, I can't be here. I just need a full change. And like, we sold our house on a whim and he like jokes. He's like, remember when you hit your head and like, we sold our house, you know, like to him, that's just like completely insane, but it was a really good decision for us, but he would never do something like that, but he'll went along with it. Yeah. He went along with it. Yeah. Yeah. But he wouldn't have instigated it. No, God, no, never. (laughs) So this being able to be routine oriented and kind of uh, repeat things sets them up really well for specializing in life. So I love looking at the neuroscience behind it. And Dario Nardi's, Dario Nardi's neuroscience of personality says that he noticed in brains of people who use this function that their brains kind of work in the same way over and over again. So, so like he notices like the same, they use the same patterns even for different inputs that are coming in, right? Like their brain kind of goes through the same neural pathway each time. And each time you go through, each time your brain sends signals in a, in a certain pathway, it makes that pathway stronger and stronger for all of us. That's just how the brain works. Um, but this type tends to use their brain in the same way over and over again and make those pathways even stronger than the average brain user. And um, he says, because of this, from one preservation sensing user to another, their brains actually look super different from one another based on their life experiences or jobs or backgrounds. Because oh, they explain have, that more to me. Because they have made their pathway through the brains based on what they are doing and what they are learning in life. And they've made that particular neural pathway very strong. And so yes. I find that really interesting that like the most consistent type is the most inconsistent in how their brains look from one another. That's very cool. And I mean, I think that is true for, you know, when you look at Sean and Eric, they're both actually very specialized. Yeah. Although Eric's not this, oh, he's not this function. He, no, he uses the um, insight, insightful intuition function like I do. My dad is the one who. Oh, sorry, that's what says. That's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry, not to mix, not to mix the two. What does your dad do? Or what did he do before he was retired? Uh, Programming. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Starting with, you know, the ancient computers in the late 70s, all the way up to uh, web programming in his most recent years. Yeah. And he did it his whole life. I mean, yeah, he he evolved as the technology evolved into doing different types of languages and different types of programming. But he did coding his entire career. And that's common in SJs in preservation sensing users is that they stay on one track for their life. I mean, not always, but it's 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 common to find them in the same job or in the same career for long periods of time. Yeah, that, that definitely tracks. This also makes them stability oriented. Like uh, you think about saving each month to ensure financial stability for the family and tradition honoring and building. So they like the idea of doing things over and over again in the same way. To bring, whether it's to bring people together, um, to honor a certain practice, or otherwise. Yeah, you know that you're saying this, it makes me think more about how Sean is processing like his grief. Mm. Because I would say he's going through, you know, a, a bit of a difficult time right now, and he does things like he'll make the dishes that his grandmother made. Mm. He's been doing that a lot lately. Mm, I love and, like, that. Doing a lot of stuff like callbacks. 
Yeah. But in the present. I like that. That's really beautiful. But I think it's like how he processes it. I hope makes him feel better, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's just a, a form of processing. Sandra, I just heard Bill Burr's rant saying how women should be supporting female athletes and not Real Housewives who just yell at each other. That's ridiculous. Real Housewives is a sport. Join us on From the Bleachers, where we analyze the strategy and gameplay that our favorite reality stars use to earn additional seasons of play and social media fame. And if you're lucky, Sandra will pull out her apology play rubric so you can all see what an easy grader I am. I'm sorry, Mandy, but if you think Monica's apology to Heather on Salt Lake City deserved anything over a 2.5, you're delusional. (laughs) (laughs) Whether we're breaking down confrontation play, relishing the bravo, bravo, bravo moments, or awarding a tardy for the party, we are the only place you'll find in-depth analysis of the plays that your favorite housewives are making on our screens. From the Bleachers, a real housewives game analysis is available everywhere podcasts live. Yeah, I can see that. So the second facet for this function is that they value experience. So personality hacker also has nicknames for the functions and they nickname this function memory. Actually, they value established ways of doing things and existing standards, and they're well in touch with their past experiences, especially the sense impressions of their past. So remember that sensing in general is a very like taking in information with your five senses. So the sensory experience, the sense impressions of their past tend to play in their mind. Um, So they tend, and they also tend to have a strong memory for details. So this causes them to trust experience overall. Compare this to people who use intuition, like you and I, who uh, like to think of new ways of doing things, new ideas, and like kind of follow that like gut or that feeling or whatever it is. Whereas people who use this, it's more about trusting experience. So experience in the sense of like work done, not like in experience in sense of like adventure. I mean, if there's someone who has an adventurous past because of the family they grew up in, then, oh, 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 I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Experience as in things that have happened in the past or things that they have experienced in the past. Yeah. Or things that you do, or they respect people who have a lot of experience. This actually, uh, people who use this function tend to have a respect for authority and a hierarchical thinking because the people who are above them in bigger in positions of authority tend to have more experience and they really value that. Yeah, I could see that. I think Sean very much has deference for experience. Maybe not so much authority, but experience. Mm. It has to be authority that they see as being experienced and having not just authority in general, but people they see as rightfully earning their authority. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very fair, fair quality. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, you know, when you look at like the corporate world and uh, the government, it's very hierarchical. It's, you know, 40% of the population uses this and it's been built in that way. And this is the best of all types at recalling. This is what Dario Nardi says that this is the best of all types at recalling data that has no context, like a list of words or something like that. Oh, but they're even better when it comes to 
quote unquote kinship data, like remembering people's birthdays. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Sean is amazing at this. Like he remembers all these little details. And so I always say he's so nostalgic, but he just remembers all these little details. Yeah. Like he's so thoughtful. Like he'll do things like, oh, your brother's birthday's coming up. I will make him this thing that I know that he loves. And then put it, he made him like this certain type of like alcohol infusion or something. Mm-hmm. Like puts it in the thing for like three months from now, like for Cortland's birthday on this date. Like, oh my gosh. He's yeah. very like, very much remembers people's birthdays and special And days. able to think ahead like three months, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, as we're talking about this, I just see that we are total opposites. <laughs> Yeah, and I, my friend who has ISFJ preferences, she's actually my longest friend I've ever had. My ISFJ friends are like my most consistent friends. Like I just, just like you can always count on them. I love them. I get, I get along so well with ISFJs. Uh, but I have one who we've been friends since I don't know. We were maybe ten or eleven, and she is always pointing out like when we're you know traveling somewhere or doing something, she remembers. And notes, and it's like there's an importance around her family history. She'll be like, oh, my grandpa used to own this, you know, property and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, my grandma was went here and did this. And, like, she just remembers these details about her family that I'm sure I've been told details about my family. And, like, when I'm in California, you know, my, there's a pretty big history of my, my grandpa was, had a pretty big history in Sonoma County. And I'm sure I've been told a lot of the things he did and was involved in, but I don't remember them. I just don't. <laughs> it's just like I, I don't place importance upon them, maybe, and they just kind of fly in my mind. But she remembers all these things, and she's always recalling them and telling them to us. Yeah, that, that's so that's so similar to Sean. And I would, I wonder if so. It actually, when, like when he talks about like the past and stuff, like a lot, it actually gives me anxiety. Mm. Like it's very. I'm just like, well, moving towards the future, moving towards a future person. And yeah. I don't like to, like, dilly-daddle in the past. And that's definitely something that he does. Like, he has that recall. Mm-hmm. And all that recall, to me, is anxiety-inducing. Yeah. But I find it to be very sentimental. Yeah, a lot of times we can be triggered by our backseat functions. Especially if it's, like, a bad moment. Like, you're already stressed out. Yeah. And then someone's trying to use one of your backseat functions with you and you're like, well, I can't do that right now. Yeah, wow. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really admirable and I, and I like it in him and I appreciate it in him, but it's also yeah. just very, um, when it's an overdrive is very triggering for me. Yeah. Well, think how important this function is because we would lose, if there weren't people preserving history, preserving past ways of doing things, we would lose a lot of the things we've learned along the way. Right. Yeah. The people who are good at like oral history. Yeah, because me, I'm always like, I want to do something in a new way. But it's like, you can't always recreate the wheel. Like, that's a waste of time. Like, sometimes there's like established good ways of Mm -hmm. doing things that we've learned that you need to bring forward. Absolutely. The third facet that I wanted to talk about is that they tend to be diligent and process oriented. So they like things to be in, they like things to be step by step. And they track their progress through tasks and will keep working cautiously, steadily, and diligently. They tend to want to have a path to follow or a goal to focus on. Um, And they're really good at knowing like what part of the process they're on. So in my experience, I, this isn't anything I read in the literature, but just like my experience with people who use this function, especially my dad, is that they tend to be a lot better than me at predicting how long something will take. (laughs) 
like I, I just can never predict how long something will take. Like I, I thought my course was going to be done in two months and here I am like six months in, I think I'm going to finish it this week, but it's just like, uh, and usually it's actually the other way around for me that I predict something's going to take way longer than it takes. And then my mom, she, she struggles with that too. She's just like, I never know how long something's going to take. And you, you know, my dad is always jumping in to help her like get it done at the last minute. Cause she, you know, predicted wrong. Oh, that's interesting. I say, like, uh, the only example I can think of, I mean, Sean has his calendar and he writes all the things that he does and he tracks them. Mm. Um, although, like, Brett Kavanaugh ruined calendars for, like, all of us. Um, now oh I find God. them to be, like, weird. <laughs> I like, forgot I have, about like, that. I can't believe you just brought that back into my memory. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> like, but they, like, not with women, though, like, but just specifically white men with calendars. It just gives me some kind of feeling. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he okay i i don't this is also just like kind of how he and i are though so like we bought an electronic electric lawnmower and he tracked when because we were we were having our lawn service done and so he tracked when it paid for itself yes of course he did and so like on week three he's like (laughs) we're only two more weeks away from this paying for itself and then so once that (laughs) paid for itself we got ourself an edger and then same thing like he always tells me when something has paid for itself yeah that's funny because i'll do the future i mean sometimes i'll do the future breakdown of like will this pay for itself and how long will that take but then once we've just used that to make the decision to buy the thing that i stop i don't like actually look back and see whether it actually did pay for itself or not <laughs> yeah well if you come to the levy household there'll be a notebook of a moleskin notebook of when things have paid for themselves and get a weekly update Oh, that's so great. Such a a financially responsible spouse is a a gift. I mean, I'm sure it's painful in some ways, too. uh, Yeah. I mean, like, for example, like this week where we're refinancing our house. And so I feel like anytime you do something with your house, you just bleed money, just like bleed money. And so like this week, last two weeks, we've just bled money. You have to pay for all these things up front. Mm. And it's so it's made him like very anxious, even though on Friday, we Mm. will have a student loan like fully paid off and you know, in a really better financial position, but like this week is stressing him out. Cause like, yeah, money's going out. Money, money's going out at a rapid pace, but yet in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but I see where this is going, but he still doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. At least not quickly. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we, you just, we basically just talked about this, but they tend to record and review their processes and experiences so that they can be preserved and repeated. And, oh, this made me think of, I did some, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago now, I did some in-person workshops with high schoolers for typing. And there was one kid after one of the workshops who just kind of like stayed behind. And it was, you know, pretty basic worksheet that I was having people fill out in the very end that says like, here's the type I chose for myself. And here's three strengths that I learned about myself. And I think this kid had, um, you know, a a learning disability. And so it was taking him a long, longer to, to finish it. But he sat there diligently, even though we had released everyone and made sure that he finished it and was just working steadily at it. And I was like... I, I like walked over to him. I was like, I bet this is going to be an SJ. <laughs> and I looked at his paper. Yep. ISTJ. I love it. It takes what it takes. Personality. Yeah. I think that was the quote from Michael's Phelps swim coach. And it's like become one of my favorite quotes. But I think that's what he said. It just, it takes what it takes. <laughs> like, yeah, that makes sense. Like if you want to do something bigger or whatever, there's no special formula. Just doing the work. And I think yeah. SJs are really good at that. Yeah. And I think you'll find other types like, uh, you know, kind of 
staying late to finish something, but more likely they started late. You know, I'm thinking yeah. of our, P, our P's, like our SP's or our NP's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that resonates. Whereas like, you know, you might find an SJ staying late, but they've been like consistently working all, all along. Like they're very, very consistent and like, you know, get started sooner and, you know, keep up the pace throughout. Although probably a lot of J's are uncomfortable working past and they probably did a oh, good yeah. job predicting how much work it was going to take to begin with. But. Yeah, you might triggered. have you might have your your uh, workaholic SJs too who are staying late as well. The last facet that people with this function have is that they tend to be quite attuned to feedback. They want guidance from respected authorities and superiors, which we kind of already talked about, and they're sensitive to feedback, so uh, they take it in and adjust accordingly. So we already talked about they have. They have respect for for those who have experience and authority about a certain topic, and they want to adjust things to match, you know, any feedback they get from them. But also, this is really interesting from a brain perspective, is that Dario Nardi noticed that people who use responsive or people who use preservation sensing or introverted sensing have really high activity in a region of the brain. I can't remember what that region is called that is attuned to social feedback. So like when we are attuning ourselves to social feedback, we have this one little part of our brain that tends to light up. Like it causes us to feel feelings like embarrassment or shame that make us adjust our behavior. And people who use preservation sensing are have this area lighting up most. So it could be, it doesn't have to be verbal either. It's like paying, you could pay attention to body Mm -hmm. language, like a facial reaction and adjusting your behavior based on that. Is this why my husband apologizes so much? Well, maybe. I, yeah, it actually drives me freaking up the wall and I tell him this all the time, but like, even like the smallest thing, like, oh, I'm sorry for like, and I'm always like, stop apologizing for things you don't need to apologize for. Yeah. He's very sensitive to, he's just very sensitive. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. I don't notice that as much in my dad. My dad is an Enneagram 8, though. Uh, and so there isn't a lot of... Sensitivity. I assume this is there. It's just not shown because you don't show vulnerability and whatnot for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And like, I don't think Sean shows a lot of vulnerability. I mean, like reading Brene Brown was really transformative for him. Mm. Because maybe that explain some of himself but he definitely is attuned to shame like like he was very very attuned in a way that i i am not at all Mm. yeah i'm I'm not really articulating my words well around it but i'm just saying that resonates yeah and also trying to protect his privacy at the same time so yeah yeah right and i think this is a little different maybe between whether it's istj and isfj i see a lot of times my or esfj or estj see a lot of times the people who I know who are SFJ, so feeling, and also use this function, uh, tend to care a lot about what other people think. And that's the the, the um, relational feeling part of it, the FJ. And so combined with this, I think you maybe see it more. And also they tend to be a little bit more comfortable with vulnerability. Whereas on the STJ side, so you're thinking people who use this function there's going to be less of that willingness to be vulnerable. And so you may not see this as much, but I, it's happening on the inside. Yeah, so. it, it's there. I, I would say that it would be like years into our marriage before maybe I even saw it. Mm. Um, but he also does not care what anybody thinks. Does not care <laughs> at all. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about potential struggles 
So a lot of these struggles come from when the function is one-sided. So we're leaning heavy into the function without balancing it out with the opposite side. And the opposite side of this one is extroverted intuition or imaginative intuition, which is imagining all the possibilities, seeing all the connections, and so on. Change, you know, all that. One potential struggle is that they can have strong overreactions to things that remind them from some, of something from their past. There's some laughing going on on the other end of this camera. This is like so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because of their strong sense memory, recalling a negative memory is as if that memory is happening over again. Yeah. I found this actually really, uh, when I learned this, really helped me understand my dad a little bit more because I think of him in this introverted sensing way where there's this consistency and this predictability but his reactions to things, and he has very strong reactions to things because he's Enneagram 8, his reactions to things to me are completely unpredictable. I'm like, I'll, I'll say something, but, and he'll have a reaction I don't expect. I'm like, where the heck did that come from? And so hearing this made me go, oh, I, it's probably because there's some sort of thing that's triggering a past sense memory that has caused this reaction. Yeah, I think it's difficult when you have that and you actually, you know, came from a background, you know, where there was addiction or whatnot, like it's actually, um, I think you can kind of keep that anger fresh, maybe. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. It's an interesting conjecture. Mm -hmm. Another struggle could be being overly focused on certain details, maybe about safety or things that have to do with comfort or convenience or stability. So whether it's getting stuck on like, we can never spend more than X amount on a loaf of bread. Or, um, I don't know, you can never drive over a certain speed limit on a certain road, whatever it is, like fixated on a detail to create, you know, stability, safety, comfort, or convenience. Yeah, I would say that's very true, except for the loaf of bread. There doesn't seem to be a, a ceiling on baked goods in our house. <laughs> and it'll depend on it'll depend on your SJ and what their past experiences are, which detail they focus on. Yeah. 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 Huh. I'm just sorry. I'm just like thinking it just like it's making me think a lot. But the routine that we just like keep a very tight routine. And I'm grateful for that. He fully leads it like I do not. And I, I'm thankful that he is the way he is because I can't we can't have two of me. Yeah, it would be craziness. And then another struggle is that they can sometimes get stuck in past ways of doing things, maybe following a standard or a process that's outdated without thinking, should this be changed? Can this be changed? Another struggle can be that it may be hard for them to keep up with changes or be flexible to adjust or try things in new ways. And I would say, you know, thinking on my dad, yeah, it's it, my mom pushes him in this way so much. I think I've mentioned before in the podcast, they have exact opposite their their car model of functions is exact opposite from one another so they have all the same functions but in completely reverse order so my dad's lead function which is this is my mom's three-year-old and then my mom's uh lead function is my dad's three-year-old which is the imaginative intuition so she is constantly pushing him to try things in new ways and be flexible and change and change plans and whatever else and this is a constant source of conflict between them but they also helps them balance each other out yeah it's like growth but painful growth i would think yeah yeah and, and very conflict laden 
mm-hmm. growth, at least how it has manifested with them. And just because, you know, two people are opposites doesn't mean there has to be a lot of conflict. But I grew up with a lot of conflict. Let's just say that. And then, you know, when I think about my dad with it, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of, you know, having a hard time keeping up with changes is technology. Because as we get older, I've started noticing, like, I have much more reticent myself. I don't use this function, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to have my phone is starting to, like, have problems. And I really don't want to have to upgrade to a new one because of all the tasks associated with, you know, updating your phone. Same. Um, So technology was the first thing that popped into my mind. But my dad actually was pretty, has always been really good at keeping up with technology. He's one of the most, you know savvy technology people I know of his age. But then again, that that was his career. That was his field that he worked in. Um, and so I think, you know, this can, va- this can vary. But I would say Sean's very tech savvy too. Mm. But I still think he likes the traditional way of doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Whether it's well, like making you bread said you guys, or... Yeah, I was going to say you guys still have a notebook instead of putting notes in his phone about the lawnmower. Oh, that's a good point. It's definitely not in his phone. Hmm. Again, I said this episode just has me thinking. <laughs> I mean, I think when we talk about like the whole goal is for people to understand each other in a way that creates less conflict. I know I was listening to a podcast this morning of the person who created this brand. It's called Uncle. Sorry, Uncle. It's the guy that created um, the whiskey. What's that famous whiskey? Um, Jack Daniels. Yes. Okay. So she created the brand uncle nearest and she was saying she like left home at at age 15 and, um, she actually went into like, um, I forgot what the home was called in LA. And she said that she was able to thrive there because the rules made sense to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like thinking about like the podcast and how like relationships can be different if parents understand you know in my head I was like maybe this conflict could have been avoided you know if the parent understood how the child responds to rules and arbitrariness of rules you know yeah of course it's an aside but it's still like I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like she needs to understand the rule you know and yet (laughs) there was the lack of communication and understanding each other that led to like an you know, the exact opposite of what we're trying to achieve here, which is to, you know, see each other and build stronger relationships and, you know, not have our kids run away at 15. Right. Yeah, that's the goal. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to get into this function in kids and talk about June. A little nugget. Yeah. Um, One thing I have never noticed this in my preservation sensing friends but one thing that is mentioned is that they can hoard material goods particularly things that give them um, a sense memory of the past i know you have someone like this in your family and i don't know if you think they use this function or not but uh so uh well all of sean's siblings they're all collectors oh and i uh, yeah uh and they all have incredible taste and this is why it's so tricky because i'm the anti-hoarder i don't like things yeah they have, but they're all very organized. And Sean's grandmother was like this too. And so you don't see the hoarderness because they're incredibly organized and have mm. very good taste. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I just thought of someone in my family who does have this. My grandma. Sorry. Go on. I'm like, yeah, like and they have this <laughs> stuff and it's just like, oh my God, it gives me hives. But like, yes, I guess as I'm saying is yes, this is prevalent. And I think 
probably all of his siblings will mm, at least have this, I think, in their probably in their driver's seat. Not driver's yeah. seat, sorry, front seat. Front seat. Yeah, my grandma has ESTJ preferences. And this is like her home has a lot of stuff she's never gotten rid of. And she's been in her home for uh, 50 years, I think. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting when we have to go through that home. But she has like news article clippings in boxes and all sorts of things. Yeah. Yep. I say the cool thing is that Lucy did have like people's wedding announcements and stuff like something I would have thrown away. And so it was fun to show those people their their announcements and stuff. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. See, there's there's a bonus to this. Another struggle can be that they can be overwhelmed when facing a problem that can't be solved in the usual way. So they may struggle to think outside the box, especially when, you know, they're they're stressed out or it's a big problem. And then the last struggle is that they can be suspicious of ideas or practices that don't match their own experiences. Let's like flush that so out like, one more. If there's like, a, you know a uh i don't know i think about like the doctor that you saw for your brain injury mm-hmm. it's a different type of practice oh, that yeah. is not like your standard treatment yeah he was super skeptical incredibly Sean skeptical was? yeah incredible yeah. like he thinks anyone who doesn't do something like traditionally because like a, he always says they're selling snake oil or something like that <laughs> he's just very by the book about everything but then he saw like you know the amazing progress but then he's also able to see the science behind it as as it developed and um but there's an initial skepticism yeah there was so much skepticism and now he'll say like oh you need to go see dr Mm. dr plasker i think like because now it it matches his yeah now it matches his experience yeah yeah all right so let's talk about what the parenting style is for people who use preservation sensing this is our istj and isfj parents especially but also our estj and esfj parents They are, I mean, this one's a no-brainer. They are excellent at providing routine and structure for their their family and for their kids, helping home feel safe and stable. Yeah. Sean's like a dream of a dad, honestly. Like, Mm. he's so good. Like, this is where he shines. But he makes her lunch every morning. Mm -hmm. You know, every morning we, like, get her dressed together and do the whole thing. And it's the same routine every morning. And he wants to, like, he doesn't have to. Like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like, I, I could handle all of that, but like he, he, he loves doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, my mom is kind of all over the place, but having that structure of my dad, like hold down a routine and a structure for us definitely gave, gives, like when I look back on my child, look like a sense of security and safety. Like I always knew what was coming. I always knew what to expect. And I think that's really important with kids. And it's something that we in our family uh, struggle with, like structure we have, but routine, not so much. And we just get, we just get tired of doing the same thing over and over again, but it's a lot of work to switch things up. And so like, you know, having dinner at the table every night, that's just not something we do. And I, I miss it a little bit. I really enjoyed that as a kid. It's not something we do either. And that's my fault because I don't really like it, but we're working on it. Cause that's, that's Sean's preference. Yeah. And I kind of like, it's, I feel like as long as you have something to, this is a tangent, but as long as you have something to replace it with, like the whole point of like dinner together is that everyone is talking about their day and and connecting or at least for me the connecting is the important part and you know like we I I get that time in the leave of a long drive to school because we don't go to the neighborhood school so you know it's a 15 minute drive to school and a 15 minute drive back and that's when we're talking about our day and we're talking about this and we're connecting and whatnot so I feel like as long as you have a time in the day that is set aside 
where everyone can be together, you know, feel like yeah, that absolutely. Can, can replace it if you're someone like us who has a very hard time with dinner at the table every night. Uh, but thank, thank goodness for people who can do that. More on the parenting style. They can have difficulty with being flexible and adaptable to the unpredictability of having kids. Feeling stressed by the lack of order, you know, especially with younger kids. If you have lots of kids, I think that can be overwhelming for people of this type who want to keep things predictable. Yeah, absolutely. I think having one kid probably alleviates a lot of that. But I think if we have multiple children, it would be more exhausting for Sean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, They're good at taking care of practical needs, feeding, dressing, cleaning. And boy, am I jealous of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All those things are like the things that I knew were part of parenting, and I just didn't realize how much of a drain they were going to be on me. I This person who I follow on Instagram, I guess we're like tangentially friends. We have a lot of friends in common. And she had like a big corporate job. And then she, like a lot of people, COVID, you know, started staying home. She wrote, I just forgot that kids need to eat three times a day. It's like really overwhelming. Five, six, yeah. five or six times. I like never really ate real. something. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just like, it overwhelms me. Like it just yeah. overwhelms me. Like I do not shine there. Oh my gosh. And then um, they have a difficult time relaxing. They can be hard on themselves about always getting things done right and on time. The to-do list may never get finished, so they might never rest. Yeah. They're very much like the to-do list needs to get done before I rest type people. And so when you have a family, a lot of times the to-do list never ends. And so they can be bad at resting. Yeah, this is a, this is something that we're dealing with right now is that Sean just never sits down. Mm. But then when you add the grief on top of it, it's just really untenable. Yeah. And yeah. It's something we're walking through, I guess, privately. But yeah. 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 My dad I, has always has always been like, both my parents have been like, they don't sit still and just chill type people. And, you know, as they're both retired now, they're trying to learn how to do that. They still have a really hard time with it. My dad also has um, bad knees. And so for the past maybe like 10 years... It's been like learning how to just sit because if he goes, 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 his knees hurt worse. And that's been a very difficult thing for him to learn. That's hard. Uh, As parents, this type can also be great at teaching kids how to work hard and instilling responsibility in them, whether it's through chores or whatever else, like instilling of responsibility is tends to be a priority for this type. Also something I'm not great at with my kids. They're good at establishing boundaries and having defined roles within the family. Like, I am parent, you are child. I don't think a lot of these types are trying to be friends with their children because they see that, you know, sort of hierarchical or established roles. Um, And they probably know which parent is responsible for, you know, the financial and which parent is responsible for the care of the kids, you know, getting them ready for school in the morning or whatever. They have defined roles and probably aren't bending those and melding them as um as much they may also feel often taken for granted because they're always serving behind the scenes and that could lead to them just feeling like a servant or caregiver yes i think i I don't have a spouse of this type but i think if i did i would just be so grateful that they're always making stuff and always doing these things that i'm so bad at that i could see how i could just come to rely on it and never be like oh let me do that for you this time let me do that for you this time because it just seems like they do it with such ease 
Um, and so maybe important for those of us who have people of this type in our life to uh, make sure that they make sure that we advocate for them to take rest and advocate for them to take a break and make sure they understand that they are valued and appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. This is something that we struggle with, or I guess I struggle with because um, again, I would say like a lot of stuff is coming to a head right now with when you, when you throw in the, the grief factor. And so th- some things that ha- happened with ease are not so easy. Mm. And the lack of like not feeling appreciated and then me it's just yeah I mean everything that you're saying people aren't robots and sometimes people who are high achievers plus have this and they just just go and do um it's easy to take for granted from someone like me who's very much like oh there goes a butterfly and I think that's something to actively work on making sure that your partner feels appreciated um yeah, I think that I have really failed at this lately. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hit the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that you appreciate Sean. I do. But I, I just need to communicate it to him. A better job of communicating and taking tasks off his plate. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. And then lastly, parents of this type tend to have a lot of shoulds. We all have shoulds, but both internal and external shoulds and guilt over not being good enough. And I think this goes back to, first of all, you know, the to-do list and not being able to rest until the to-do list is done, as well as the, that social feedback um, and the fact that they're so sensitive to it, I think, adds a lot of shoulds. So to sum it up, our preservation sensing users take in information by attuning to the past, valuing practical experience and preserving existing standards. They're often great with providing stability and routine, working diligently and adjusting to feedback, but they can struggle with overworking themselves, thinking outside the box, or being flexible to change. So I would love to hear from people. If you are a preservation sensing parent or you know one, do you notice these themes in your parenting? We would really, really love to hear about it. Familypersonalitiespod at gmail.com. And we have some, oh, you can check the show notes for this and for this episode and all our episodes at familypersonalities.com slash the episode number. This is episode number 64. And I'm going to have some guests of that use this function, which should be a lot of fun. There, we already had one. We had an ISFJ parent, Patrice, way back in episode 28. And although we didn't specifically name this function, we were talking about it almost the entire episode. So she is a great example of an ISFJ parent. I am probably going to have an ISTJ dad on in the next episode or two. And also I have a couple coming on where mom has ISFJ preferences. So she leads with this function and dad has INFJ preferences like me. And they're going to talk about their relationship and kind of the difference between their lead function of one of them uses preservation sensing and the other one uses insightful intuition and what that looks like in their relationship parenting together. So that should be a lot of fun. And both of them, both of them are well-versed in type. So it should be, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. That's how we get the word out there about what we're doing. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Family Personalities. And you can find M at Emerson, the number four, O-R. We'll see you next week. 
That's it for our show this week. We would like to apologize to our children, our parents, our spouses, and anyone else we may have lovingly thrown under the bus this episode. Thank you for listening and catch us next time on the Family Personalities Podcast.